Thank you for downloading the Beacon Church podcast. We hope that you enjoy today's message and that you find that God speaks to you through it. In September, uh, my daughter Naomi, she started a nursery that's part of a school and it's fair to say it's been a bit of a change of routine for us. There's been lots for her to get used to and there's been lots for us to get used to as well, lots of new routines and particularly for my wife Emma, doing the school run every day, uh, the conversations at the school gates, making sure she has her PE kit on the correct day and also dealing with that moment when a member of staff comes up to you to talk to you about something your child's done. (laughs) Now, um, on this occasion, it's a little bit funny, so it's not too bad. I have to give a bit of background so you don't judge our parenting too much. But uh, So, uh, I imagine being a um, a nursery um, teacher must be very challenging. You need to have it not too structured because, you know, they're three years old, but you do need to have some routine so that it doesn't become quite chaotic quite quickly. And I know that their teacher, Naomi's teacher, has been instilling a lot of routines at um, at the beginning of this year because Naomi's been repeating them at home a lot. So I know that if you're at Naomi's nursery and you need to sit on the carpet, it's legs crossed, arms folded, brain switched on. I also know that if the teacher's trying to get your attention, um, it's one, two, three, look at me, and then you all have to look at the teacher. So bear that in mind. Now, another routine has been that um, every night Naomi can bring home a book. Um, She really likes um, stories being read to her. And there's been a particular picture book that she's been a big fan of. And in this picture book, there's this line when one of the characters says, if you don't stop doing that, I'll completely lose it. Now, what could possibly go wrong? Um, So um, the the teaching assistant um, went to my wife, Emma, and said, well, Naomi... Um, She went up to Mr. Spriggs and said, if you do one, two, three, look at me one more time, I'll completely lose it. Um, And to top it all off, the TA then said to Em, oh, don't worry, I I get cross with my kids all the time, implying that that's just the way we speak at home to each other and deal with with conflict. Um, And so, we're continuing with our series on um, the village, what type of community we feel our our church should be. And today, um, we're going to look at restoring relationships and um, dealing with conflicts. And it's fair to say there are different opinions on how you should do that. Um, Some would say are good, and some um, maybe not so good with the um, to resolve conflict. Um, Last week, John spoke so well about deepening relationships and how we go about doing that. And the the reality is that we're not perfect and conflict still arises. And actually, it's because of those deep relationships that when that happens, you feel it more. Um, There's that phrase, those closest to you can hurt you the most. And so it's key that we resolve conflict in a really good, healthy and biblical way. Um, it's fair to say it's quite a big topic and it's impossible to cover it all. So what I've really tried to do is like focus on three ways that kind of conflict comes up and three ways that we can help um, solve it. And it might be that um, we get to the end of the service, oh, why didn't he speak on that particular aspect of it? But I think these ones are the key ones for this morning. Um, so we're going to be looking at a wonderful passage in Ephesians um, chapter 2, verses 1 to 10. 
I'll, I'll read the passage, but I also want to pray because the reality is we might come with a lot of baggage from broken relationships. We might come having been wounded or hurt from how conflict has been dealt with in the past. And I want to pray just protection over the talk that we trust the Holy Spirit to speak, to reveal stuff to us. But when the Holy Spirit reveals stuff to us, it's with the aim of reconciliation. It's not to condemn, it's not to bring down, it's to build up the church. So, uh, yeah, let's read um, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 to 10. As for you, you are dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. Don't worry, it gets better. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace, expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And it is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for all that your word is to us. Lord, I thank you that it um, builds up the church, um, that it heals, that it restores. Lord, I pray, um, yeah, your protection over this talk, Lord. I pray that any past hurts that we have experienced... Um, if they are brought to mind, Lord, it will be because you want to heal people this morning. Lord, and that you want to um, bring reconciliation. So, Lord, we pray for your Holy Spirit to be here, um, to be here powerfully, um, to anoint this message, to open people's hearts and minds. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, Emma and I have been married for just over six years now, and like um, all marriages, um, conflict comes up every now and then and most of the time we deal with it well but there are the infrequent occasions when we don't deal with it as well as we um, would hope and what I've noticed um, what that experience has taught me is that I'm not one of those people who can compartmentalize their life if I've got an issue in my marriage and I've allowed it to fester I'm not dealing with it or I'm not seeking to resolve it quite quickly it can go on to kind of um, impact other areas of my life. The kind of the bad feeling, the stress, the anger that's coming up. If I don't deal with it, it doesn't just stay at home. For um, Eventually I notice that maybe at work I'm not dealing with problems as well as I should. Um, maybe small issues at church are bothering me more than they normally would. And the root of the conflict isn't church, it isn't work, it's that I haven't dealt with um, what's going on at home. When there's a um, conflict in a significant relationship, it sends ripples out that affect other areas of our lives. Things aren't right in your marriage with your children or with your parents or with a friend, it will eventually um, bring conflict in the other areas as well. 
In the passage we read, um, the writer of the letter, Paul, says, the readers, says to the readers, you are dead in your transgressions and sins. Another term he uses is disobedient. And then he tops it all off by saying, like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. The Bible is quite clear about our status before God outside, apart from Jesus. It's only because of Jesus and what he did that we can stand before God and not fear that wrath. Um, if, if we haven't put our faith in Jesus, there's this sense where there is this dynamic that we are in conflict with him. And it's not to say that people are walking down the street, God is hurling lightning bolts at them, and they're waving an angry fist back. It's not that type of conflict. It is a spiritual conflict. There is this spiritual broken relationship and that dynamic going on. And if you think that if there's a ripple effect with an, in an earthly relationship, things aren't right in your marriage and it affects other areas, how much more will there be a ripple effect when you haven't dealt, you're carrying the burden of an unresolved conflict with God? Uh, if we want to be a village, a community that is the means of restoring broken relationships, we have to believe and live out that the best thing for people is first and foremost to reconcile to God. And that should impact our approach to everything we do. Like, how do you pray for that work colleague or that friend who is quite negative, criticizes a lot, sows a bit of disunity? Are you praying that they just stop doing it or ultimately they confront their sin, reconcile to God and come back to him? A person at peace with God will be at peace with themselves and is more likely to be at peace with other people. Uh, and that should really impact our conversations and those um, must be motivated by um, this belief that people need to be reconciled to God. But that's our approach to kind of people outside of the church, but we know that we're not perfect and we know that actually Christians, um, we struggle with conflict and we struggle with the behaviour that leads to conflict. And part of the reason about that is we're not perfect, but part of the reason is we're also quite forgetful. Um, in the Old Testament, there's, quite, um, there's this book, Ecclesiastes, and essentially it's like 12 chapters of someone musing on life, different kind of topics. And the writer um, just judges them to be meaningless. He goes through wisdom, meaningless, pleasure, meaningless, riches, meaningless, and so on. It's like the ancient equivalent of saying, Oh, what's, what's the point? And it's until the very end when he says, here is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the duty of all mankind. Riches, wisdom in and of themselves don't have any meaning. God gives them meaning. Um, in regards to work, I can be a bit... Like, what's the point? Sometimes I can ask that question. Now, it is an internal monologue. I'm not teaching. <laughs> Ofsted aren't in, and I'm going, what's the point of this? Um, but I can definitely ask that question. I think experience has taught me that when I get to that point, I've forgotten something significant. Work in and of itself is meaningless. God gives it meaning. Um, in regards to conflict we can be forgetful. If you are finding that you are less accepting of others, if you are struggling with unforgiveness, if you are becoming critical, I'm sure you have forgotten about how accepting God is of you, his forgiveness for you, 
how the God-given identity he has given you. So together, to make sure that we're unified, we really have to live out um, being at peace with God. Okay, if we go to the next slide. Yeah, so this is an ostrich. Um, when ostriches are threatened, they do one of two, and they do two things. The, the first thing they do is they, they run away. And being an ostrich with those legs, they can run away quite fast. And the second is, I know you're thinking they buried their head in the sand. No, that's a myth. They don't do that. My, my Google research has disproved that. Um, but what they do, if they're not able to run away, um, for whatever, maybe they're trying to protect their eggs, they do like, kind of lay down and try to blend into their kind of surroundings. And I suppose with the hope that they're not seen. In terms of conflict, I think some of us here would behave like an ostrich. Conflict comes up, you find it so threatening that your first thought is, I'm out the door. That makes me too, feel too awkward. I can't deal with that. I'm gone. Maybe you avoid the person that you're having the conflicts or the issue with the disagreement. And you know, in some extreme cases, you hear like people leave, will go from church to church to church because they never find a way of resolving conflict. Or maybe you're not physically running away, but you're still present, but you're not engaging with the issue whatsoever. Head down, hope no one notices. It's more about keeping the peace than bringing real peace to the situation. Um, I'm very thankful that Paul didn't stop writing at verse 3, you know, that kind of by nature deserving of wrath. He goes on to say, but God. We were dead in our transgressions, and there was nothing we could do about that, but he made you alive with Christ. He did something. He took the initiative. In terms of our spiritual conflict... We may have been searching, but ultimately God took the initiative to resolve it. He did something through his son. He didn't want run away or passively wait for it to sort out. And for those of us among you who might be a bit like kind of the ostriches run away or head down, it's an attitude you might have to kind of emulate a bit, take on. But in those situations, are you going to step out and instead of leave conflict, seek to resolve it? You know, wisdom has to be exercised. There are some situations where it's completely appropriate to run away, but for some of us, it might be about confronting our fears um, and praying. If you feel you lack something, I find dealing with conflict so difficult, so tricky, ask God for the confidence, for the power to deal with it. Now, lots of you are thinking, no, I'm not an ostrich, not at all, no ostrich tendencies, then it's likely you're what appears on the next slide. A bull. Now, when it comes to conflict, bulls, they show initiative. There's no getting away from it. They show initiative. <laughs> there's a disagreement. There's an issue. I'm sorting that out. I'm confronting it head on. Charge. Um, but, you know, when a kind of a bull is in charge mode, it's not someone, something you want to be around too much. <laughs> they're angry. They're intimidating. And the way they seek to resolve conflict um, causes conflict itself. Uh, with us, God took the initiative, but it was because of his great love for us and because he is rich in mercy. I think if you're going to describe a bull, rich in mercy maybe isn't one of the <laughs> phrases you would use. Um, if maybe when it comes to conflict, you're a bit like the bull... Um, and it's admirable to want to like, solve conflict head on. Um, it must be motivated by love. Don't leave a trail of destruction in your wake. 
Um, it must be with the purpose of really truly res um, resolving it, restoring the relationship. And that, again, impacts your prayer life. Maybe it's about praying about the fruit of the Spirit for you, the gentleness, the love, the self-control, so you can handle things well. Okay. If we go to the next one... So you may, these are the Brownlee um, brothers, um, Alastair and Jonathan, um, two British athletes who compete in triathlon, the, the, the event where you do a swim, um, followed by a bike ride, and then you end it all with a run. I'm doing a triathlon, it's actually on my bucket list, but um, unfortunately it has been pointed out to me that because I don't really like swimming or cycling, maybe I should just stick to the running aspect <laughs> of things. Um, we're going to watch a clip of these two from a recent race. It was the World Championships, and, and it was the final. So probably in their season, this was the most important race out, outside of the Olympics. Um, the clip is from the end of the race, so they've already swum one and a half kilometres. They followed that up with a 40-kilometre bike ride, and they're now about nine kilometres into a 10-kilometre run. And the race took place in Mexico, so they're doing this all in 35-degree heat. And I know what you're thinking, annoying overachievers. Um, and at this point, uh, Johnny's, in the, Johnny's in the lead. Johnny has to win, and to be sure of taking the title. And right now, he seems to have lost control of his legs. And this is worrying. Oh, and he's starting to slow. And there is a little way to go, there's half a K to go, and Johnny is running out of time, and he's losing, he's losing his sense of direction. This is worrying. Oh, goodness me. This is a horrible sight. Jonathan Browning has lost it now, and has started to stop at the side of the course, and Alistair's stopped to help him along. And Alistair is going to try and carry his brother home. Dramatic scenes in Cosmo as the Olympic champion carries his younger brother towards the podium.
you're exhausted, you're at the point of collapsing, you don't think you're going to make it and finish the race, who do you want running around the corner? Who do you want coming up alongside you? You want your brother. You want family. The guy who wasn't family, he ran past. <laughs> um, Alistair, the older brother who did all the carrying, he is a fiercely competitive individual. This is a two-time Olympic gold medalist competing in, competing in triathlon, one of the toughest sports. He's an elite athlete. You have to be that way. Seeing it how it unfolded, it would seem ridiculous to us now if he had just run past. Or even worse, he'd run past, given his brother a dig just to make sure he didn't finish and gone on to win the race. And he would have done that. He was a far superior athlete to the other guy who ended up winning. But there must have been something where he thought, helping my brother is more important. Uh, the passage we read ends with an amazing verse. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has prepared for us in advance to do. That's a verse that we should treasure, to know that we are the creator of the universe's handiwork, that he has prepared work for us in advance to do, and that that work is good. That's amazing. But there is a danger to avoid. I can forget that the verse is about us and I start to think that the verse is about me. God has good works planned for me, but not for you. Or, and this is where the conflict really comes in, the plans God has for me are more important than the ones he has for you. And your God-given plans better not get in the way of me fulfilling my God-given plans. We can adopt such an individualistic approach that our perspective shifts from you are my brothers and sisters in Christ to you are my rivals. And that brings conflict. Achieving your goals starts to come at the expense of others. If you saw someone struggling, would you run past them because you saw them as a rival or would you stop because you saw them as family? There are two things I absolutely love about the clip. Um, the first is that when it happened, no one was interested in the guy who won. He fulfilled his ambition about the race. The I'm winning the race. The story was all about the older brother helping the younger brother. And the second thing I um, love about it is Alistair didn't just carry his brother to the line and then take second place. He carried him to the line, then pushed his brother over so he finished ahead of them. Uh, right at the beginning of this series on the village, um, Owen spoke, I think, from Philippians, and it was around kind of gospel humility, um, how the gospel kind of hinges on the fact that, God, um, that Jesus gave up his rights so that we could be saved and to follow the plan that God had set out for him. And in humility, what we need to do is count others more important than ourselves and maybe central to the good works that God has prepared in advance for us to do is helping others fulfill their God-given plans. Yeah, that's good. Uh, so, as a, um, as a church, as a village, we must do our best to prevent conflict. And we, in worship, is key. We're just being brought back to the gospel. The foundation of everything we do is knowing that God sent his son to save us, not to condemn us. We are reconciled to him. And ultimately, we should carry that message to everyone else. 
People at peace with God will be at peace with themselves and peace with others. Um, but when conflict does arise, let's not be surprised it happens, but think about how we're going to deal with it. Are we going to take the initiative like God took the initiative with us? Are we going to show real gospel humility where you're willing to say, that person is more important than me? on their account, and more significant than myself. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you are so gracious towards us. You really have shown incomparable kindness to us through sending your son to, to die on a cross and to rise again. Um, Lord, we thank you that um, we have been reconciled to you. We can approach your throne with confidence because Jesus mediates for us. And Lord, I thank you for the peace that brings. I can testify to the peace that that's brought to my heart and how I can handle things better because of that. And Lord, I pray as a church, we will take that message to others. Be reconciled to your heavenly Father. And Lord, I pray that you will help us deal with issues that arise between family, friends, fellow Christians not to ignore conflict, not to just keep the peace, but to bring gospel peace. Our Lord, we love you, we thank you. In your name, amen. You have just listened to a Beacon Church recording. If you would like more information about us, our vision, the team, or upcoming events, please visit our website, which is beacon-church.org. You can email us at office at beacon-church.com or find us socially on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. You are welcome to share this recording as you wish, but please do not make any edits without express consent. Thank you.